Who would you be if you didn't hide behind your shame? Where would you be if your inner judge didn't dictate your life? Hello, hello. We are here to break cycles, to open conversation into the taboo, and most of all, we are here to feel sexually liberated. Welcome to Your Body, Your Story. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number six with Amanda Proudfoot. Also, I wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. But yes, this episode with Amanda Proudfoot, a founder of a company called Queer As Shirt from Edmonton. It is a super awesome company where they make um, tie-dye t-shirts, plaid button-up shirts, all different kinds of clothing. And I love them. I absolutely love them. They're fun, rainbow, really vibrant, just amazing. But in this episode with Amanda, We go into some of the conversation around labels as a queer person or as a person at all, especially someone trying to experiment and learn more about their sexuality and how, yeah, important those labels are to try to understand and have some way to feel like there's something that kind of defines you or gives you a a framework of how you feel to make you feel more comfortable in your skin and understand your sexuality better. Um, we also talk about the importance of community, especially as a queer person or someone then in the LGBTQ2IA plus um, or 2SIA plus, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, how important community is to feeling like you have somewhere to go, people who understand you, people that you resonate with and that you can have those people around you. Community is so important for everybody. And then we kind of go into bullying and Amanda's experience with that and Amanda's experience trying to understand her sexuality and understand who she is as a person. Um, And then, yeah, we kind of go into a little bit of parenting or being a step-parent and how Uh, Amanda's experiences with that and kind of at the end we talk about references and places people can can go to find more community and um, especially young people and parents too parent there's um, a reference in there Um, I believe it's P flag St. Albert that is a resource for parents and young people to go to to find some understanding, information, education, get help and more community from other parents and to learn, right? That's what we're kind of all here for. Um, But please check out the references in the show notes. There is so many. And if you're looking for somewhere to go, if you're looking for community, that's a great place to start, especially if you're in central Alberta or really anywhere. You know, there's resources out there that you can find and you can find community and you can find a place that helps you feel like you belong. So I really, really hope you enjoy this episode and yeah, have a great Christmas. 
please correct me if there's any words that you're like, please don't use that because again, I'm learning and I want to be better too. Um, but I feel like, and may, this is kind of the case for most people is you kind of have like your personal life and you have your business life. And like, we met at a business meeting. So like, even though I knew that you were like more funky, more quirky, like you and I got along better than most people, especially at business meetings like that when everybody's in suits and stuff. Like if you're someone who often feels a little bit like the black sheep in a crowd, you look for the other black sheep in the room. <laughs> and I feel like you and I got along quite a bit in that way because I was Who's like, we're weirdo? both weird <laughs> and we need to be weird together. <laughs> Yeah. So it's I, I find it so interesting kind of knowing you as a business person, especially at that time where maybe maybe you weren't as openly sharing and expressing yourself, even though you were like, I remember your hair was really cool, your tattoos, like all those things. But still in that kind of setting, you don't typically just let it all out. So I just I do find it really fascinating knowing you in that setting, but also knowing you outside of that setting and maybe even more now than it was a few years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that too, like that was like prior to me really figuring out who I was too. So that was still like in the closet me. So I wasn't running around in rainbows and, mm -hmm. you know, so because I, I hadn't even figured it out. So that's that's how recent this has been, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. how did you feel then compared to now? Like, how would you kind of, I don't know if you could explain how you felt and like maybe even, I don't know if it's an empowerment you feel now or what, but like compared to the person, like I think that was like five years ago or whatever compared to now, like what is the difference you see in yourself and feel in yourself? Yeah. Um, I think it, I think empowering is probably a good word for it. Cause yeah, I, I didn't know what I was missing until I realized it was missing. And then it was like, I was on this journey. So um, I, I wasn't really like, I guess, missing it for long once I figured it out. Um, and then, yeah. And then after my separation, it was like jumping with both feet. I was at pride marches and like going out to all these different things and like really immersing myself in the community. And um, of course, like that was as everything was opening up after the pandemic too. So it was, you know, like I was kind of having this forced isolation um, part of my journey because you couldn't go out and do anything. Um, so it was all internal. And then as the world opened up, I was starting to open up to like kind of step out into the world as a queer woman. And then, yeah. And then so that was a lot of things all kind of happening at the same time that just like the timing was was there mm -hmm. for it to happen, I guess. Was there anything specific that spurred that change? Like lifestyle change, the looking more internal, was there anything specific that was like really spurred that whole change? I think my whole life I kind of identified as like queer community adjacent. Like I was always an ally. Like right. I always, you know, like I, I was out there with my mom going to like, you know, all the things trying to fight for, you know, equal marriage rights and all that stuff. So, you know, I was always, I always considered myself to be an ally and I really identified with the queer community. Like I felt very connected to it. Mm. And I think it was probably all that like subconscious stuff <laughs> that like, I know I belong here, but I don't know why. And then uh. as you know, like social media was a thing and like all the memes and you're seeing all the memes and stuff. And it's like, um, 
the one that I saw that I remember being kind of like a catalyst for it was that your your identity is not your sexual history. So I don't need to have actually had sex with a woman to be able to identify as bisexual or queer. Like I, I can, it can all be in my brain, but it's a legitimate identity. And like, I don't, you don't, yeah, that your, your identity is not your sexual history. It's not your dating history. And it was like this little multi-frame thing. And it was this woman and she was dating another woman and it said, not a lesbian. (laughs) The woman was dating a, a man. It said, not straight. And then it was, you know, the character on their own and it said like still bisexual, no matter who I'm dating. So that was kind of because at the time, like I'd been with my my husband at the time for like 18 years. So that was a huge chunk of my life that I was in a committed, um, outwardly heterosexual marriage uh, relationship, right? So um, yeah, so that was that was kind of the catalyst for like all the internal work. And yeah, and then after my separation, it was... I was then free to kind of explore it outwardly as well. Mm-hmm. Good things, it sounds like. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just kind of go back to the beginning now because we've kind of <laughs> just jumped in. Um, do you want to tell us how you identify and any terms you like to use for yourself? Uh, yep. Yeah, so um, I identify as queer. Um, my pronouns are she, her. And... Um, yeah. And I guess if we're going to talk about definitions and education moments. Um, so one thing that we were saying for a long time was preferred pronouns, but now we just describe them as pronouns, just straight up pronouns because... Preferred using, is like an in or out kind of thing. Like, I it, prefer it, but you don't have to. It's like a little bit of a tiptoe, it feels like. Yeah. Or that cis people get... We get pronouns. And if you're not cis, then you get a preferred pronoun. Like it's a preference, right. but it's not like a real pronoun, which kind of diminishes the, whole the importance point. of it. So mm-hmm. it's like they're just pronouns. Everybody has pronouns. Mm-hmm. What are yours? What are mine? <laughs> That's so, yeah, we're kind of phasing out the preferred pronouns. Um, it was in favor for a little while, but it, it very quickly kind of started to be identified as maybe not the best way. So, right. And what does queer mean to you? Uh, so queer to me is um, basically not straight. <laughs> I don't strictly date men. I don't strictly feel attraction to men. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not heterosexual. I'm not straight, but I'm something else. And for me, um, after trying on a few more specific identities like I tried using labels like pansexual or bisexual and I just kind of felt like they they were okay and they were they were fine for putting on like a dating profile to kind of indicate to potential partners who I might be interested in dating but when it came to just like daily use um just ordinary like what what do I identify as I just found queer was was a nice, comfortable one because it's it's broad enough. It feels like it's not ever going to be wrong. Like I don't feel like I would ever outgrow it. Um, but pan and and bi are maybe a little bit more specific, um, and I just didn't feel that I needed to be that specific about it. So outside of dating purposes, 
um, I don't really, I don't really stress over those too much. Cool. No, I like that. It's, it's nice too that like you don't just pick one and say good enough, right? Like you really do have to find what feels good in your body, what feels good that if you were like, especially if someone's like asks you that, like, how do you identify or what do you, how do you like to yeah, put yourself out into the world. And when you say the one that doesn't feel right, like there's just a feeling in your body that you get and it's kind of just like, nope. Yep. (laughs) And so I think like, I do really feel like it is very important to find what feels good, especially, and I'm not saying that this is your experience, but especially if you have been living an experience where maybe you have felt completely uncomfortable in your body for a long time and not able to fully express yourself, you really need to find that comfort. That really has to be a part of your life. Yeah. Hmm. And do you mind if I ask how you and your partner met? Uh, we met online, um, as one does nowadays, because mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> I am far past the. Um, going to a bar (laughs) and meeting people. Although I did try. Um, When I was newly single, um, I did go out to a few queer bar events and went and danced with strangers and, you know, all the masking and everything, but it was still pretty fun. And, um, but yeah, I think dating online was just a a much easier way because you you can really put a lot of information out there and, and look at people's profiles and, and really just say like yay or nay pretty quickly if you see some some things that are an absolute non-starter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we met online. Um, it's a, It was on a, a queer dating app called Her, uh, which I really found I liked it because it was – I mean, it, you, you could look for friends. You could look for – we're still on it, both of us, actually, looking for people to play board games with. Oh, my <laughs> Build <gosh>. our Yes! <laughs> build our uh our little queer gaming community um but yeah we we met online um and and both of us were able to really like put it on our profiles that you know this is where we came from this is our history so for both of us we kind of walked into it with um a lot of knowledge about each other that you know might be awkward to tell the other person if you're face to face if that Mm. makes any sense um yeah that we really could kind of look at each other's profiles and go like yeah this is somebody that um that I might be interested in and oddly enough too like both of us weren't really at a point where we were looking for a romantic partner either um we were both on there going like I never want to date again (laughs) actually our first kind of dinner date (laughs) we, we were both um we were both saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this whole, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm just out of this 18 year relationship. I'm not even, you know, the d- divorce papers haven't even been signed yet. Like I'm, I'm just, I just want to like meet people and figure out who I am and, and just kind of explore this whole new world that's open to me. And, and he had gone through a pretty rough divorce. It wasn't finalized either. And so we were, we were really, um, it was it was a hard go both of us and and we were just not interested in dating other people but then we really really quite liked each other um and very quickly ended up uh developing a relationship and it was it was interesting because you know like the things were starting to happen and it was like but I, I didn't know that I wanted this but 
I'm really liking what's happening anyway. Mm. And yeah, so we've been together for uh, about a year, almost, well, it'll be two years in December that we, we met. So um, our anniversary, we kind of ended up settling on New Year's Day. <laughs> That's funny. Me and my partner, we kind of had to settle on a day too because we also met online and it was like very fast. Yeah. Like it was just clicked right away. And like, it was, it was a random situation. Like I am very, very cautious when it's come to dating. Like always I've been very cautious because of trauma and stuff in my life. And it's like, you do not go into places where you feel uncomfortable or unsafe. You just don't do that. So we met and we had, well, not met. We were talking online. We met on Tinder and we had only talked for like maybe three days. And it was like coming up to the weekend. It was like one of those things like, oh, what are you doing for the weekend? Like, you know, the lighthearted conversation. And he was like, oh, I'm just going on a road trip with some friends. We're just going to the mountains just to get away. Um, And then jokingly was kind of like, do you want to come, LOL, kind of thing. And I was just like, oh, funny, I totally could, kind of thing. And just curious, I looked at my calendar. This was during a time in COVID when things had just opened up. We'd been shut down for like a few months. It had just opened up like it was like fall or something. And so I was packed full. I was a hairstylist. So packed full because nobody could get haircuts. It was crazy. And in my calendar, it was the only two days that I had nothing booked were the two days that he was going. And it was like, oh, that's weird. So kind of jokingly still lighthearted, like messaged back kind of saying, oh, I totally could. I actually have nothing booked. That's so funny. And he was like, well, then just come with me. Like, come on, let's just go to the mountains. And I was like, oh my God. And then I just kind of like checked in with myself. Like, okay, how does that feel? Is that terrifying? Or is that like, no, this feels good. Let's just go. And it was one of those moments where I was like, I have no reservations about this. This is really weird. He's going to the mountains for a couple of days and with some friends. I've never met him, never met his friends, nothing. And I just went. And like right away we clicked. We, I loved his music. I loved his energy. His friends were awesome. It was a married couple. I didn't even know who his friends were. I didn't know they were a married couple, nothing like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just everything just clicked right away. And I was like, oh shit, this is kind of scary, but also kind of cool. And he's not a complete asshole. So that's great. <laughs> that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. we just kept seeing each other every weekend after. And it was just like right away. It was just like, we felt like we had known each other for forever. And yeah. even just, again, one of those things where you're not necessarily looking, well, kind of, I mean, at that time I kind of was, but I wasn't looking for long-term really either. But it's funny how that just kind of happens sometimes that you're just like, oh, okay, this is just working. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, I think you when it happens, you know, and um, yeah, for us, we, there were just way too many coincidences and coincidences. it kind of felt like fate too, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so pretty quickly we found out that we were born on the same day, month, year. So we have the same birthday. No way. Then we were born at the same hospital by the same doctor about two hours apart. And he oh has a twin brother who was born in between us. So <laughs> weird. I love it. <laughs> and then his mom and dad went to high school with or his mom went to high school with my ex-husband's mom and dad. Uh, his aunt is a kindergarten teacher to uh, my good friend's daughter. Um, yeah, it was just like one coincidence after another. And we thought this is just completely wild. And then, yeah, we'd, we'd been kind of sort of dating, I guess, for 
about two weeks when we both got really sick and we tested positive for COVID. And he said, like, my sister's going to kill me because he lived with his sister at the time. And I, I just said, well, like his came up positive, like as soon as the thing hit the strip, right? Like it was showing up oh, two yeah. lines and mine, we were waiting. And I said, well, I've, I've been exposed. I mean, we've been in each other's faces. Like, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any more contaminated than this, right? So I said, just, I live alone. Like, why don't you just stay here? And we'll isolate because at the time, like work, rules at work were that if I had been exposed, I couldn't go to work mm -hmm. until I tested negative for X number of days or something. So um, we were still at that stage of the pandemic. So yeah, I just said isolate with me. Like, what am I going to do? Like, I, I, I already didn't like being alone. So um, yeah. So oh, and then mine turned positive pretty quick too. And then, yeah, so we, we, he just stayed with me. We were pretty darn sick for like two weeks, basically, like just crawl out of bed, eat, <laughs> shower, crawl mm -hmm. back into bed. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. So that was a really fantastic two weeks. But yeah, we just basically like spent two weeks just snuggled up under blankets together because what else were we going to do? And, um, yeah, and then he pretty much never left. That literally sounds like us. <laughs> like we were had been seeing each other for three weeks. We had three weekend dates basically because he worked during the week, I worked during the week. And then on the third week, I was we got the notice that we had to shut down again. And I called him that day and I was like, hey, so I have to stop working as of today. Like, what do you think if I just come hang out with you? And basically like went that day to his place and basically then stayed there for like three months because we were shut down till the <laughs> end of February. And then before I even went back to work, he was like, so when are you moving in? <laughs> and like basically the same thing. I just pretty much just didn't leave. And hence now I live in Red Deer. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll repeat it because it was his joke and he thought that I was going to be mad until I just laughed my ass off. But um, I mean, there's the whole joke about like the U-Haul lesbians and he said that we were basically the the former lesbian and the wannabe because <laughs> we we did we moved in so quickly um but we're also not like super young either and i think you know when you're young and you you know you don't quite have life figured out yet um, yes a little bit more caution is 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 necessary but you know when you get a bit older you know you kind of start to feel like you know why why waste time if I'm feeling good about this, like, why not? So, and really, if you know, like, there, there's just something different about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So I think we were pretty comfortable with it. And it, it was just kind of happening. And neither one of us were scared enough about it that we were going <laughs> to say no. Like, yeah. It just, it felt good. And yeah, so that was, um, yeah, a life lesson and not knowing what you're looking for until you found it. And yeah. It sounds almost like that quote that's like, when you're not looking is when it comes, right? Yeah. Or that's not obviously the quote, but there's some kind of quote that basically says that, that it's the moment that you stop looking is when the thing comes to you and you weren't looking even really at all. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> I love stories like that because honestly, like, I, I probably, I would say that I used to think that it was like, you need to know somebody for a long, long time before you know that you can actually like survive with them. 
But yeah, like now that I've had the experience of like it happened so fast and like we'd basically like moved in after three weeks and it was just, it worked. Like we cook together, we clean together, like we do so many things together and we lived in a tiny place. I mean, it was probably the size of like this is what we lived in too. And like with two people and we had a big dog too, that it's like you kind of have to figure out space and you Mm -hmm. have to figure out how you work around each other. And I feel like there's so much room for arguing and getting upset and you like getting triggered by each other because you don't like when it's that fast, you don't know each other's mannerisms. Like you don't really know how each other works as much. And so then like when we moved in, basically it was like, oh, we don't fight. We don't argue. We don't do these things. Like it's easy. And it's so interesting that you grow up with this idea and a lot of the time it's also your examples that like love is hard and you have to fight for it and you have to work for it and you're gonna have times where you're really really mad at each other and hate each other and you just have to get through it kind of thing and it's like yes and no like yes you still have to like work for love like love is not just a feeling that's just always there like sometimes you do have to choose to love somebody But, like, I do not think that it has to be hard. I do not think that you should be fighting, like, healthy fighting in a relationship I don't think is necessarily healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a certain amount that, yeah, you're going to have disagreements and it's about how you communicate about it. Yeah. But I truly feel like that idea that things should be hard and you shouldn't be, things shouldn't move fast. You should let them go slow and you should, like, test each other out. I don't believe that that's necessarily the case anymore. No. Yeah. It sounds like it was pretty easy for you, too, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, like every relationship, you have your growing pains as you Mm -hmm. figure each other out and press each other's buttons by accident. But you learn pretty quick, um, you know, what what's a no go and what's what's comfortable. And and like you said, it's about communication. Like you can have disagreements, but it's how you communicate and work through those disagreements that um, really brings like a level of maturity to a relationship. Mm -hmm. What do you view as good communication? I think being able to say, I think like a lot of it is like being able to say like I need, I need space to figure something out before I can talk about it and like be telling the other other person that Um, or, you know, being able to have those like sit down and, and talk about it, but also being willing to like step away from it for a minute if you need to, like before you get into like an argument about it. Um... Yeah, I think I think mostly it is it is seriously about talking and not getting upset about language or cuz we don't always have the vocabulary to describe what we're feeling either and how we describe something might not be how the other person would describe it and so Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so I think I think being able to give each other a little bit of leeway and forgiveness on terms that are being used or tones that are being used um i know i for one can feel can can get i can i can turn karen really easily and (laughs) i i found i i am really trying hard um i have anxiety and so like for me like to flip over into karen mode is 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 really easy and it's i think it's an anxiety thing um I, I freaked out on a power bill lady the other day because I just she kept going in circles in this discussion and I was just like I was not having it and uh, 
so knowing that I can do that, I, I know that my tone can sometimes come across as a lot more angry than I maybe intend it to. Um, so understanding that, you know, I, some, I might need to manage my tone because um, I can come across very angry or condescending. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think being able to sit down and talk about it and to give each other breathing room in discussion and some forgiveness and 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 some leeway I think is really important but like the specifics of the discussion don't necessarily matter it's it's can you work through this can you get through to the end of this discussion come to some sort of an agreement without it turning into a full-blown screaming argument because that's when if you're going to scream at each other, you may as well just drop everything right now, walk out of the room, go and cool off and come back because screaming, nobody's listening. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't like screaming arguments. <laughs> I try and avoid them at all costs. But, yeah, I think stopping and breathing before you get to screaming mode, I don't know. I agree. I agree very much. So I have a hard time actually... Well, I used to have really, really bad reactions and my anger used to take over. And now I'm really good at going, okay, I'm noticing some heat rising. <laughs> We're going to just take a second. Break time. <laughs> yep. Take breaks. If you're if you're having a disagreement, take breaks. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, that's Especially if you're great. prone to anger. Yep. Yep. Which I don't think either of us are. We I think we're both conflict avoidant. So right, <laughs> that so you have to almost force yourself to actually go into it. And you're like, I've been feeling yep. this thing for a while, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but I know that we have to. So I'm I'm bringing it up, and I really didn't want to. And so that, that does mean we we often will we will sit and talk things through. Um, mm -hmm. We get really uncomfortable, I think, doing it sometimes. But I get that. But I'm also very avoidant with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If I can walk away and shove it down and ignore it, that's way better <laughs> for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I guess how do you have a timeline or do you give yourself boundaries around like I'm allowed to avoid this for a certain amount of time before I have to go and approach the person? Like do you give yourself kind of that idea of like I've been feeling this say for a day, I only give myself a day to feel it or like how do you approach like the avoidance of it? Because I know avoidance can be – it can be really, really long pixel. <laughs> and sometimes you can like, I mean, if you have a good, I would say like ways of working through it yourself so you can get yourself to go and approach the person. Like, do you have any of those that you use? Uh, I don't think so. I I don't really have, I guess, rules or boundaries. Like I haven't really set any boundaries uh, for myself. Um, probably good things to have. So, but I mean, self-awareness is, is a big one and just being able to, in the moment, um, understand what it is that you're feeling, what potential issues might be in, in feeling some of those things. Um, is this going to create more conflict? Is this going to be, is this going to be productive to the conversation? Because I mean, what we normally deem negative feelings aren't necessarily bad. Um, they're important feelings to have, but is it going to be constructive to the conversation? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably put things off a hell of a lot longer than I really should. Um, and he's <laughs> nodding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am typically not one to bring up issues and I probably should bring things up 
more. Um, but yeah, I think that's just, that's the self-awareness thing. And you just, you, you have to be willing to look at yourself and be uncomfortable. Mm. And yeah, there's a lot of things in life. Just being okay with being uncomfortable is going to get you through a lot. <laughs> it's true. Yes. Would you say that you're the one who procrastinates more on the conversations? Yes. Yes. I very much, um, I, I am the, I think more conflict avoidant. I think he's, he gets over it. He's a parent. So I think he's had a lot, he's had to get over a lot of the, I, I'm really uncomfortable with this, but I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and do it because it's, that's, that's being a parent really. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's maybe one thing that we differ on a lot is, is he's had to just suck it up and, and deal with it more than I have. Hmm. Yeah. I guess talking about being a parent, like you've kind of had that role, I'm going to guess kind of like building, like what is it like for you kind of coming into the relationship? There's already a child involved and now having to kind of have that role. Um, being a parent is something that I never really envisioned for myself. Um, and it was honestly something that initially looking at getting back out into the dating world, I was like, no, no, if the person has a kid, no, no way. Um, but I think we, we really hit it off quite well. Um, and it was actually a couple of months before I actually got to meet her. So like we really settled into our relationship a lot more before bringing me into her life. Um, and we, we don't have primary custody. So I think that does make it a lot easier for me as, as a new parental figure, <laughs> uh, so late in life. Um, it, it definitely makes it easier for me. Um, but you know, like she's, she is actually a really, a really smart kid. She's a really good kid. And you know, like we're, we're working through the three of us, um, building, you know, kind of a family here. And, you know, she likes a lot of the same things that I do. We're both really into arts and crafts. And so like, that's one thing that we do bond over. Um, we had a, a craft day this afternoon. So, uh, we, we we're putting the paints away to clear the table for, <laughs> for this evening. Um, yeah, so she, you know, like we we find those things to bond over and, you know, it, it has been going really well. And I, I think I do enjoy, um, you know, talking with her and um, and like building that that relationship. Um, you know, yeah, she she is a good kid and that does make it really easy, too, because she's she's not she's not a troublemaker. <laughs> um Maybe that'll come later when she's a teenager. <laughs> she's quite young. She's nine. So, um, yeah, I I think it's it's something that I never really anticipated for myself. It wasn't anything that I planned for, but um, you know, I, I think I think we're working on making the best out of it that we can, and um, it's it's actually not as scary and and horrible as I had thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like 16 when I decided I didn't want to be a, a, a parent ever, ever, ever. Um, so, you know, it was this whole big, like this terrible boogeyman thing for me. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's not that. Um, I mean, it's got challenges being 
a parental figure is going to be challenging. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not the big boogeyman that I had kind of made it out to be when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's been fun and interesting. <laughs> and can you kind of maybe share a little bit of how you've been intentional with the parenting? Like we were kind of talking a little bit before about trying to educate, but also be very kind of general and lighthearted about educating about like queer, like the LGBTQ community, like trying to still make that a part of her life without, you know, going too deep into it. Can you just kind of share a little bit of how you've been intentional about it? Um, so we, yeah, we, we are pretty general with it. Um, I mean, our house is decorated with rainbows. She loves rainbows. We have flags up around the place. I don't know that she necessarily understands specifically what the flags mean. Um, but it's something that's, it exists around her. Um, we take her with us to pride events. She really has a lot of fun with those. I think for her, a lot of these things, like going to social things, it's been more of like kind of the equivalent of just going to a party, like any, if it could be any festival, it just happens to be, you know, a pride festival. Um, but then in terms of like actual education, she's, she's not a stranger to the queer community. I mean, she kind of like grew up in it right from birth. So it's not something that's like completely foreign. Um, you know, her mom has lots of gay friends and, so it's something that she's exposed to like in both households. Um, and then, yeah, so we, we talk to her about like the existence of different types of people, different types of families. Um, and there's been some cases where she's really demonstrated that she has a good understanding and a good foundation of what these things mean. Um, I gave the example earlier about the, the bus stop, that there was the boy at the bus stop that said he liked the color pink. And she stood up against the bullies and said, well, color has no gender. And she defended the boy who liked pink. And, you know, her favorite colors are like pink, purple, and teal. And she says, well, teal isn't usually a color associated with girls, but I like it. And I said, well, that's good. She says, because color has no gender. And, and that was really awesome to hear those words come out of her mouth because that's not a phrase that we've ever used around her. Oh, no way. Yeah. And and so, but she just, that was what she said. And I was so proud of her. And yeah, so we've we've been teaching things to her in more of a general fashion, um, you know, explaining to her what it means to be a trans person, you know, that this is somebody that when they were born that, you know, the doctor said, this is a boy or this is a girl. And that when they got older and they started to understand themselves more, they realized that the doctor was wrong. And you know, that the way that they looked when they were born is not necessarily how they feel on the inside. And so, you know, as they get older, they might change that. And so, like, we're trying to explain to her kind of in more general terms, you know, that there are some people that you know who are trans, you know, lots of people who are gay, um, that she knows that these, there are different types of people that exist and that you might not necessarily know just by looking at somebody that that is how that person is, um, you know, and that just because, you know, somebody has long hair doesn't mean that they're a girl, you know, boys can have long hair too, or, you know, just because somebody wants to wear a dress or likes the color pink doesn't mean that they're a girl. So yeah, we're just, it's very general right now, but like I said earlier, she's nine. So it's, it's a pretty young age to 
be grasping some of these really complex um, conversations. So I think keeping it simple and keeping it general, you know, at least she's aware of the the reality of the world um, in a way that her her brain can grasp it. Mm-hmm. Um, as she gets older and more complex terms and more complex um, ideas can can rest a little bit better in her mind. Um, I think we'll start having more complex conversations. Um, you know, at some point she's she's going to learn about different identities of of people that have been in her life for a long time. And it might be different than what she thought, but at least the groundwork has been laid that, you know, these are good people, their identities, you know, like this is what these things mean. And then when she learns who in her life identifies with these different um, identities, that it, it might be like, oh, well, I didn't realize that, but it's not going to be heartbreaking. Right. So, yeah, I think keeping it general right now is just it's an age appropriate way of of dealing with it. And yeah, we'll just increase the complexity as her brain can can handle. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I think it's so important. I'm also curious, too, is she learning any of these things in school? Like, are they covering any of these things? Has I mean, even has school the ways that they're talking about it potentially changed from when you were in school, or I guess maybe you, I guess you don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not really all that familiar with what's going on with her education. Okay. Um, I guess education kind of falls a little bit more under, um, under her mom's, um, parenting realm. Um, although her dad does have a say in, in her education, but, um, yeah, it's, I'm not entirely sure, like, specifics what she's learning in science or health class. That's okay. Um, I mean, she's in grade five. I don't really remember learning a whole lot in grade five either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think the way that the curriculum currently stands, um, I don't really think that they're laying, learning about it at all. Um, but I, I, I'm not really that close with the education system, so. Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. Sure. I'm just super curious because <laughs> I know that there's a lot of back and forth about that and controversy and some schools are very very um into and actively trying to educate and build that a little bit and others of course are very much not so I'm always just really curious to know how that's changing or not because I mean my own schooling I do not think it was good at that time you did not ever hear about people being like you didn't learn about people being gay you didn't hear about people being transgender in health class or anything you didn't learn about any of that at all Mm -hmm. even the terms like you only knew the terms because people made fun of people. Yeah. Like that's how I learned the terms was that someone would make some fun of someone and like call them gay. And you'd be like, what is that? And then you'd learn and you'd be like, okay, like that's the only way that I ever really learned them. It's not like you talk about them in a healthy way. And I just, yeah. I feel like they're starting to maybe change, but they're definitely just getting thrown out there as like slang terms being thrown at people. Okay. Thank you so much for being here so far. We're just taking a pause to let whatever was said sink in, to let anything integrate that you need, and just to take a moment to check in with yourself and your body. So we're going to do a little bit of breathing here. If you are able to, I would love you to close your eyes. If you need to take a seat, you can take a seat. If you're walking or driving or unable to close your eyes, I just ask that you soften your gaze a little bit. 
So we'll start with closing our eyes down, taking a nice inhale through your nose and exhale out your mouth. And with a sigh, if you feel comfortable with that, feel your body melt down. And on your next inhale back up, I want you to think about the top of your head moving down, melting through your face, your eyebrows releasing feeling like your eyebrows are melting down into your eyelids, your eyelids are melting down into your cheeks, your cheeks are melting down into your jawline, and your jaw is melting down towards your shoulders. Release the tongue from the top of your mouth. Make sure that you're not clenching your teeth or anything like that. And just notice if there's anywhere in your body where you're holding tension and breathe into that place. See if you can release some of that tension. You can give a little wiggle. You can move if you need to, but see if you can release a little bit of the tension you're holding. And throughout the day, if you have the opportunity, I do recommend you try to do this multiple times. It will help a lot. But that is it for our little pause today. We'll get right back to it. Yeah. And, and, you know, like when I was, when I was a kid, like I, my mom had gay friends. And so again, it wasn't like this completely foreign concept to me, but it was still something that was removed enough from my education, my, my deeply held knowledge. Like it was something that was far enough away that when, when I was in it and figuring out my own self, I didn't have the language or the tools or anything to really like self-analyze and and be able to identify what was going on with my own identity. Um, Cause yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, my, my mom had gay friends and um, like we were, I was in an all girl marching band. And so like, of course there were the jokes that like, you know, we were getting up to, you know, we were getting up to no good when we were going on tour down in the States and stuff like that. And we were all accused of being lesbians. And um, so, like you said, right, it was often used in a derogatory way. Um, but then, you know, like as, as I was figuring myself out, like I had no idea about what any of these things actually meant you know, gay was, was a, well, that's gay, you know, like, you know, you're watching some movie and it's some stupid movie and it's like, well, that's gay. Um, so it was all very removed from its actual context. So nothing made sense. Right. And so when I, you know, like I had my first kiss was a girl and it was something that just like happened and it didn't even really like, I didn't understand what was going on. But I remember, you know, like how it made me feel and like that I was, you know, I was really excited and it was this thing that just happened and it was like, oh my God. And, you know, like, and I, I just, I don't know, like it just, it, it really, I felt really good about it, but it was, it was all new, all of it. And then when it came to, you know, grade nine grad and um, the same girl, you know, we we were still in touch. We were still friends and nothing had ever really progressed past that. Um, but I mean, I was in grade nine, you know, and that was not something that I was really 
seeking out to have like a relationship so with anybody boys or girls so um she came with me as my date to grad and in the weeks leading up to my classmates found out that I was bringing somebody who was not from our school and somebody got this name and that one of the boys was like so I hear that you're uh you're bringing some guy named Angelo to grad and I said well no not it's Angela and he goes Angela well that's a girl's name and that was it so like the whole school then turned against me um all of my friends they stopped talking to me my friends wouldn't let me sit with them in class anymore um they stole my my books and hid them in different classrooms like it was awful I basically spent the last three months of grade nine with no friends and I mean that's devastating to a kid and after grad was done and we were finishing up for the summer like it just I think the harm had been done and I never, like, I never, I didn't see Angela again after that summer. Um, I left the marching band. I went to high school. Never saw her again. Um, and at that point, I went to Vic, too. So, I mean, like, anyone who's familiar with Victoria uh, High School, it's, it was, uh, in the 90s, it was, like, the gayest high school you could possibly go to. And it was... I think the only high school where the gay kids could be out and safe. And I mean, I went to high school with so many queer kids and it should have been a place where I felt safe. But like I said, in grade nine, the harm had been done and that was it. I went, I was an ally. I didn't want anyone to go through what I went through in grade nine. And I said, the words I'm not gay (laughs) so many times to other kids that I believed it myself for like 25 years and yeah so I think having this education in school would have gone a long way to preventing the bullying um, helping that poor 13 year old girl who didn't know what the hell was happening to her there could have been supports from the teachers. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I, I have a, I highly doubt the teachers didn't know something was going on. Behavioral changes in kids like that, like the teachers are going to pick up on something, even if they don't know what it is. But I don't think the teachers would have known what to do with it. So if they knew what it was about, they were probably keeping a 10-foot pole on that one. Like, so... Yeah, having teachers that are aware, having teachers that are allies, having teachers that are safe places, um, teaching the kids, you know, like it's, bullying can be dealt with a lot of times just with education. And and that's why I think that education is something that we really should be fighting for. And, you know, I think a lot of the fear around it comes from, they think that we're trying to show, you know, gay porn to six-year-olds and it's not what's happening right like that's not what we're fighting for we're fighting for you know the the elementary kids to just to know that different types of families exist right like you might have uh you know 
two parents that are, you know, a man and a woman and they're married, you know, uh, parents that aren't married, parents that, you know, kids that are being raised by their grandparents or an aunt or uncle or other close family member, kids that are adopted, kids that are biracial, kids that have two moms or two dads, kids that have a single mom, kids that have a single dad, kids that have a stepmom or a stepdad, you know, kid, families come in all shapes and sizes and teaching about the existence of queer parents and queer families is not gross. Like it's being taught or it should be, should be taught as a part of that broader picture that families will look different and that they're okay. That, yeah, you might have families that, you know, they come from a different country and so they dress a little bit different. Maybe their skin color is different. They speak a different language. They speak with accents. These are all things that will help bring diversity and and understanding and and have these kids that just, it's not something that's weird or wrong that these are, this is just the way the world is. Mm-hmm. There are people who are different from me. And then maybe there will be that kid that when they get older and they start learning about sexual identity and gender identity Again, like when they're older, <laughs> like when when all of the hetero cis kids are starting to learn how to put condoms on bananas, that you're also teaching how to have safe sex with two boys, safe sex with two girls, you know, that it's, it's not just simply, you know, our hetero sex education. It's, it's teaching safe sex for all the different combinations of bodies that can come together. But it's at the same time as the hetero kids, right? Like we're not introducing this to younger. It's the same age that we were doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't – I think there's a lot of fear around that. And um, I think if they just understood that it's it's at the same pace as it always has been, we're just including more content. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I'm curious to know, like, when you were starting to kind of, I don't really want to say explore, because it was just kind of almost that one experience that kind of started to lead into more before, of course, you got bullied. And then you were like, okay, no, we're not going there because that's unsafe territory. Like, from your perspective, if you think back to yourself at that age, like what exactly kind of education or words or affirmations do you feel like you needed and could have used at that time to help you get through that and to help you understand yourself more? Um, I think a lot of the things that I just kind of covered, I think, would have gone a long way. Um, I think just having a general understanding, like if the kids have been learning from that young age that different types of families exist and that different types of people exist, that there might not have been the stigma mm. that there was at the time. Because, um, yeah, like, I mean, at the time, gay was a slur. Um, I mean, queer was still very much a slur, right? Like, even within the community, like, you didn't say queer. That was that was derogatory. Whereas we've kind of reclaimed it now and now, I mean, I identify as queer. So, and a huge chunk of the community just I straight up identifies as queer. So, you know, we've kind of taken that one back, but, you know, like there were a lot of terms that were just, everything was just a slur. Everything was just rude and, and everything was very much stigmatized. So removing the stigma, um, 
having the terminology, having just at that basic understanding, I think would have gone a long way to preventing the bullying, but also giving me the language to understand what I was feeling. Um, and in grade nine, I mean, we'd already put condoms on bananas. So this was very much an age that those conversations could have been happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it was if it was perfectly safe for me to watch a video of a woman giving birth, and if I was old enough to learn how to put a condom on a piece of fruit, I'm old enough to learn that gay people exist and that they're not wrong, they're not evil, that, you know, this is okay. Um, That, yeah, the bullying might not have happened and I might have had tools to understand what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. No, I really like how you phrased that of like, if I'm old enough to learn these other things, I'm definitely old enough to even just know terms and know that different types of relationships and love exist. Totally. It's so true. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm also curious, and maybe this is like the same answer, maybe not. But um, again, looking back at that time, like what would you have said to yourself after you had been bullied? Like looking at how it was like you were hurt, you had like basically like reeled everything in. Like, okay, that was unsafe. You as an adult knowing what you do now how would you have or how would you talk to yourself as that young kid at that time? I think I probably would have given myself a really big hug <laughs> yeah, and told myself that, you know, you're never going to see those bullies again. Um, you'll never see them again. You were about to set foot into the best high school you could possibly be in to explore this. Vic is safe. You know, you're going to be surrounded by queer kids you're in you're in band there are going to be queer kids you're in ib english there are going to be queer kids <laughs> um you know like that you are going to be surrounded by people who are exploring themselves the same as you it'll be okay hmm. and yeah i i just think knowing that i was about to set foot into a safe place i think would have been hugely helpful and yeah and I think I just it just occurred to me too that that was all community that's what I was just thinking as you were saying is I was like community and safe are two things that you've kind of brought up that it's like oh that feels like that's so powerful yeah and like and that was that was the difference that like the influence that community had on me so the community that I was in, in junior high, was not a safe place. That community was not helpful to me. And the thing is, like, we talk about, you know, how important our parents are in in acceptance and being able to understand, our, you know, like, the role of, the, of our parents and our families and the support that we can get from our families. I don't want to diminish that because it is incredibly important but I had a safe mom. <laughs> hmm. My mom was like a rainbow wearing, uh, you know, ally. We, I mean, we didn't have the word ally at the time, but like my mom was 100% an ally. My mom was out there at the community hall with her friends yelling at people because they were like, well, what's next? Can I marry my dog? And she's like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> So, 
you know, like my mom was out there fighting for equal marriage rights. And, you know, so, I mean, I knew that my mom would have had my back, but I think because I didn't feel safe in the community, home didn't matter. Right. That's a very good so, point. So, I mean, and that's, that was my case. I mean, everyone's case is going to be individual, but I did not have the community. And so my home didn't, like, home was safe, but it wasn't, like, it was safe. It was 100% safe. But if I, if I couldn't be myself outside of my home, when what was the point, right? Oh. So... <laughs> I think the the importance of community is huge and I think it's just as important as being safe at home. And I mean a lot of kids have neither. And and for those kids that don't have a safe home, they really 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 need that community more than ever. Um which is is you know, when I when I later on when I when I was much older and I was figuring myself out again and and I was coming out, my family wasn't living in the city. So, and it was the middle of COVID times. So, you know, like, I mean, where was I going to connect with? Who was I going to connect with? You know, I don't know. My mom's out in BC. Like, what am I going to do? And uh, I think I needed to figure myself out. And community was a safe and anonymous way to do that that I could go to Pride Corner every Friday and I could fly a flag and I was wearing a mask and I was all dressed up and nobody knew who I was. You could have stood there and talked with me for an hour and then you could have walked past me out on the street a week later and you wouldn't have known that it was me, right? So it was a very anonymous way to immerse myself in the community and feel connected like there was a lot of emotional connection and a lot of support that I found in being a part of creating a safe space. Because like all of us adults that were there, we were there creating that safe space for all the kids that were there because we would basically be forming a human circle around these kids and making sure that, you know, those street preachers were not getting to them, that we were singing louder than those street, pre street preachers were yelling and the kids were hearing us seeing how much we loved them and how much they were valued and not hearing the hateful person on the loudspeaker holding the sign that says, you know, God hates sinners or whatever signs they were carrying that day. Um, so, yeah, Pride Corner was a way for me to connect with community in an anonymous way. And I think that really, really helped with that internal reflection that I had to go through um, before I stepped out into the world is like, hey, this is who I am. Mm. And then I was able to go to my mom and I was able to talk to her about who I am. And um, and I, I joined the, the um, pride committee at work. And so then, like, of course, all my coworkers are then looking at me like, is this an allyship thing or what is this? <laughs> and I've got like flags up on my desk and, you know, so it, it's, it's allowed me to like step out into the world and, and say like, this is who I am. And I, I feel like now I'm able to represent queer joy for the younger kids, like the generation coming up because they need to see queer joy. Um, 
because I, I think they're going through a really tough time of it themselves, right? Like figuring out who you are and it doesn't matter what that is, if that's gender or sexual identity, if that's a career, <laughs> figuring out who you are is really, really hard. And finding representation in a joyous way gives you hope that even though it's really hard right now for me and I'm very confused and I'm very scared, I can see that it does get better. Um, again, that was part of what Pride Corner was about too, was showing these kids that like, here's a whole bunch of queer adults. And I mean, sure, we don't have it all figured out yet either, but we are expressing queer joy and we are demonstrating queer joy and that these kids could see that and be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, it'll get better. I know it will because they were where I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, and I'll get there. Mm. So representation in any form is good, but when you can, when you can provide it in a joyous way, it's even better. I love that. That's so good. <laughs> I'm just like sitting here in awe listening to you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm also curious to know about like specifically with community. Um, we are in Edmonton right now. And so I just kind of want to maybe go through, is there other places for community specifically in Edmonton? If somebody's in Edmonton and they're like, that's what I need. I need community. I need somewhere to go to feel safe. Where can they go that, you know, well, if you have something any day of the week, that'd be great. But if there's some things or just every once in a while, like anything that you have that could help somebody, I would love if you could like share if you have that in your head. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, off the top of my head, um, I mean, I've mentioned Pride Corner. That's every Friday in the summer. Anyway, every Friday at White Avenue and 104th Street. Um, they usually get there around 435 and I think they go till about 8, 830. Um, in the winter, they switch over to one Friday a month and that's posted up on their social media. I don't know which Friday each month it is, but they do switch to once a month just because it's cold and they do it for a shorter time, but they've got hot chocolate and stuff. So, hmm. um, yeah, so there's Pride Corner. Do you know what their social media is? Uh, I think it's Pride Corner on white. Okay. Um, and not Instagram? They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook. Perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, so Pride Corner on White. Um, what else is there? There is Camp Firefly, which is, they run like camps for queer kids. Um, oh, wow. We taught a tie-dye workshop there in the summer. Oh, it's not Camp Firefly? Oh, Camp Dragonfly. Close. <laughs> there is... <laughs> There is, there is Camp Firefly and there's Camp Dragonfly. I think Firefly is through the U of A. Yeah, Firefly is through the U of A. Camp Dragonfly is the one that we um, we taught a tie-dye workshop for the kids there this summer. Um, and they do like weekend camps for kids. Um, so it's it's a safe place where, like, especially with um, gender non-conforming children, that they can try new names, they can try pronouns for a day. Oh. Like, they're really, really supportive that way. Um, there is, in St. Albert, there is Out Loud. Out Loud St. Albert. They host a Pride 
event in June every year. Um, but they do things throughout the year. I think that's actually where the local PFLAG chapter is based out of. Um, so PFLAG, I think it's parents. I don't know. I might have to look up what PFLAG means. <laughs> but it, it, it's for parents of queer children. Um, but yeah, Out Loud St. Albert, they are a resource for queer youth as well. They have counselors. They have... Um, I think they have little like meetups and stuff like that. And then there are also resources for parents of queer children. Um, of course, there's the Pride Center of Edmonton. Uh, I th there, there is a lot, um, but those are the things that I can think of off the top of my head. That's awesome. No, I appreciate that a lot because it's. It, I want to... I want to learn more about those kind of places too. And each episode, I want to be able to offer more kinds of things of if people are needing resources, needing somewhere to turn, needing a safe space, needing someone to talk to, there's always something that people can try and get if they need it. Um, yeah. And also before we finish, because we're kind of running to the end of our time here, I would love for you to tell me about your company, um, Queer As Shirt. Yeah. So I mentioned that we've done a tie-dye workshop for Camp Dragonfly. Um, that's, uh, we were invited to do a tie-dye workshop because we were, the people who run the camp saw us at the Gay AF market in June. Um, so I own Queer as Shirt, uh, a tie-dye company here in Edmonton. We focus on pride gear. So our main offerings right now are things with rainbows on them. <laughs> So we have, we like making funny names for our shirts too. So we have um, a, a tie-dye design that we call, um... <laughs> I'm blanking on everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have a design called Straight Out of the Closet, um, oh. another one called um, So Freaking Queer. Uh, we have a shirt called um, Transformation, which is our oh trans flag. I love those. We have Lost in Translation, which was our first attempt at a trans flag, but the colors were a little off. So that one is Lost in Translation. <laughs> um, we have a line of underwear we call Transy Pants. Oh, and they're boxers yes. with pride the trans flag on them. Um, queer down here. Are you queerious? Those are two more um, underwear designs we have. Um, so yeah, and we're we're currently expanding into some other pride flags as well. Um, we're gonna start experimenting with some colors and figuring out which pride flags we can do with the colors we currently have on hand, and then we'll see what we're missing and where we need to order some other colors. But yeah, so we're gonna play with that. Um, our most popular item has been our rad plaid, which is a rainbow plaid flannel shirt, um, as made famous by Janice Irwin last year. Um, we do love our ML gay here. Uh, Janice Irwin is our MLA in Highlands Norwood in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have our, our Blake Desjardins is our, our, uh, MP, uh, who's also queer we also have a new ml gay um brooks paul arcant i might be getting the order of his name mixed up but i think it's brooks paul arcant 
Brooks is his first name. Yes. And so he he was just recently elected. Um, they're all NDP, if it's any surprise to anybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Janice Irwin, she's she's our, our um, re-elected ML gay. And she is a fantastic advocate for uh, the queer community. Um, I think she's the women's critic and um, LGBTQ critic for the Alberta legislature. Anyway, she she basically fights for women's and and queer people's rights. So, um, yes, Brooks Arcand Paul. I got the name mixed up a little bit. Uh, he's our other ML gay. Um, so yeah, we have a really vibrant um, queer political scene here in Edmonton. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, queer is shirt. It uh, it started off as. Um, my my mom did tie-dye when I was a kid, and so it was something that I just I kind of fell in love with it again. Um, after my separation, I'd gone out to BC to go visit my mom, and of course we did some tie-dye together, because why not? And we, my partner and I had gone out there to, um, we brought with us some plaid shirts that we found, and we were like, I just want to see what this looks like, and they turned out so awesome, and so we started doing them um, some more. But yeah, I, I really enjoy um having a, a queer uh themed business it's i was talking about queer joy and queer success and i think um this is a good representation of that um seeing other queer business owners we we do we did a bunch of pride markets in june and connecting with all these other queer business owners um it was amazing and like we're all so supportive of each other and now every time we all know each other now so we're all best friends now so we see each other at different markets and even if it's not a pride market because those really only happen in june um we all stop and say hi to each other we see each other like even just like out in the wild like grocery shopping or something and we're like oh my god hi <laughs> so yeah it's funny how like one of those 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 small common element um, brings us all together and um, yeah but yeah like having that representation in the community um, it, it's been something that's been helpful in connecting with just the community as, as a whole um, also yeah the the representation thing queer joy queer success um, all really important I think for building that community and and supporting it and uplifting everything and just showing the world that we're here. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to continue to wander around wearing our rainbows and we're not going to go away. So <laughs> good. Yeah, we're that. here. No, that's amazing. Um, and is queer as shirt on Instagram the best place to find you? Or do you also have a better place that's maybe easier to get in contact or buy shirts? Or what's the best way to find you? Yeah, so Instagram, um, we'll, we we accept, uh, like we, you can contact us through Instagram, Facebook. We do have a website, uh, queerasshirtco.ca. Um, but honestly, like any of those methods is a great way to contact us. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that, you know, in the future, if there's more things that you want to share, I'm so happy to have you back on again. And I do really appreciate your time. Great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks.